Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 27 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. I don't have anything to say about the number 27. There's really nothing about that at all, but we're getting closer to episode 30, so there is that. I am Jordan Renz here today, coming off the ship's massive win, the color commentary with Damon Ryan. We'll talk all about that. It is finally time we get to talk some football here on the podcast. This is going to be something great, and per usual, I'm joined by the one and only Drew Skyberg. Drew? How are you, sir? How's everything going? I'm doing well. We just came off watching a dreadful Packer game, but we're we're not even going to talk about it. We're not even going to talk about it. But overall, I'm doing great. Corbin Burns threw a no hitter on Saturday, so I mean, we we just got to. It's baseball time. Just worry about baseball. I mean, postseason's coming up. Brewers first right now. Absolutely, Brewers first. Even though I haven't watched a Brewer game all week long, you. You would have to live under a rock to not know about the no-hitter with Corbin Burns and Josh Hader. We'll talk about it, but we have so many stats to get to this week. Before we do, don't forget, guys, our YouTube channel, it's been booming lately. We were getting some pretty big numbers. We'd like to see it. We're back down to 23 subscribers again, but don't worry. We'll be getting up to 24. Hopefully, we can get to 25 and just stay there for a good while. So Jordan and Drew, the sports crew on there. Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. If you missed it, if you weren't following us, we did a little uh, predictions challenge for the Green Bay Packer game. And Drew, do you know who won the predictions challenge? I know you didn't look, but do you have a guess? I did not look. Who, who did end up being the victor? Well, no one predicted the Saints to win. So I just had to go by score and who was the closest. And that was you, my friend. Oh, so... Winner is Drew Skyberg for week one. Well, congrats to myself, I guess. Yes, there you not go. Really. We, not really. No, not at all, because your Instagram shouted out every week on here anyways. But, yeah, so look out for that in week two. We'll be posting that. They play on Monday now. One week from today, they play the Lions, and boy, oh, boy, do we hope the Packers get a nice big rebound win. Lions had a huge comeback that we'll be talking about. We're still on Facebook, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, trying to figure out some things there. I don't want to post the same thing on Facebook and Instagram. I just don't see the point in that. Otherwise, Apple Podcasts, follow us, leave those five-star reviews on there. And other than that, that's basically all, our, all I got. Our shout-out of the week this week, it's a little of an odd one, but it's a real fun one. Our shout-out goes to Major League Wiffle Ball. Drew, you've been watching these guys for years. I just discovered them this year. These games are a ton of fun. They really are. I watched them when they played on this old old field in Michigan. Now they play, I mean, they still play in Michigan, but now they play on this brand new, beautiful field. and. It's really fun. It's it's a great league, and yeah, I've been watching since 2017, so it's been been a few years. And I know you recently got hooked to it, and it's some good stuff. They got an Instagram, Major League Whiffle, I believe it is. If you search that, their YouTube is where you can watch all their games, and it's just a really cool league, Whiffle Ball. Yeah, it's so weird, but so awesome at the same time. They even have like a pitch meter now because these dudes are pitching 75 miles an hour. It is crazy. They also have a, a podcast of their own, and. They it's only one game a week, guys. I mean, 30 minutes, basically every Friday they upload a game. It's super easy to watch. I'm a big Coastal Cobras fan. Love my boy, Drew Davis. So we're hoping they can make the playoffs. But yeah, let us know your thoughts on some MLW Wiffle Ball. And I know there's a ton of other ones, too, like in Suggested. There's all these other things that are sort of the same. I don't know what came first or whatever, but it is time to move on as we have our stats of the week. And as I said, there's a lot of them. So I'm just going to kind of rapid fire through a bunch of these here. It's because we recorded so early last week for our Labor Day special. We picked up a few over the weekend, and I thought, you know what? We're going to bring them right into this episode. So our first one, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre both had exactly 119 wins in their first 182 starts. I mean, I don't know what the odds are for that, but 
I can put you on the spot real quick, who's better, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers by a long shot, Jordan. I think Brett Favre was more of a gunslinger during his career. Threw a lot more interceptions, as we know, when Aaron Rodgers is very conservative with the ball and he make he's a better decision maker, but both were obviously top-tier generational quarterbacks, so... And it was totally, yeah, it was a totally different time too for Brett Favre. I mean, stats weren't nearly as big of a deal as now you see Rodgers coming in. And I think people get their eyes opened a lot more when they see his QBR and stuff like that. It was like 38 in yesterday's game, but we don't need to mention that. Next up, Killian Hayes at 20 years old is the longest tenured current Detroit Pistons. So you want to talk about a rebuilding team. There's one for you. Ren Hefley set an FCS record, 10 passing touchdowns. In an 84 to 43 win. Is this what we're going to be seeing from Robbie Michael in the FCS? I mean, he's got a shot, but he's really been the ground game's been something he's been really, really been effective at this year. And well, he had nine total touchdowns. So we we need 10 passing touchdowns from him. So yeah, he's we'll see what a we lot do. more balanced, though. That's for sure. I think he had three rushing and three passing this week. I don't know. We'll get to him here in a minute. But yeah, 10 passing touchdowns from Hefley. Wow. Next up, some college football talk from week one. Georgia allowed only three points against Clemson, tied for its second fewest versus a top five opponent in the AP poll era. So that goes back to 1936. The only time they allowed fewer than three points was when they shut out number two Georgia Tech back in 1942. So that's really crazy there. One more football one before we get to some Brewers. The last 13 quarterbacks draft number one overall have gone winless in their first career start. And we saw the same thing happen yesterday to add a few more to that. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, just to name two, they went winless in their games. We'll be discussing their performances coming up. And now it is time for three Brewers stats. Two of them a little outdated, but they still needed to be said. Brewers at one point held an 11-game division lead, which was the first time ever in franchise history. They were 32 games over 500 for the first time in franchise history. And this last one is wild. Eric Lauer has third or he had 30 play appearances this year. I don't know what it went to from the other day, but in those 30 plate appearances, he had three walks. Jackie Bradley Jr. He in 99 play appearances since July 16th. He had three walks as well. So Drew, I know we talked a lot about Keston Hira swinging at everything. Jackie Bradley Jr. has been doing the same thing. Yeah, he's been horrendous this year, Jordan. And I want to go back to something here. Um, currently, the Brewers are up 14 games. So, I mean, they haven't, they held an 11 game divisionally for the first time. So now it's at 14. It's ballooned up to 89 and 55 there. And JBJ discipline certainly has been an issue with him. Inability to walk, to draw base on balls, and then just swinging at pitches out of the strike zone, missing pitches in the strike zone. So, him and Keston here have shared very similar problems this year, but they paid JBJ. So, I mean, he's going to be on the roster. Yeah, sadly, but it's the time old tale. We say it over and over again. His great in air quotes, his great defense doesn't make up for this absolutely atrocious offense. So that's all the stats. We got quite a few of them for you guys today. Now it is time for on this day to date today, September 13th, two days after the tragic nine 11, which was a huge focal point of all the sporting events that happened this past weekend. On this day in 1909, our boy Ty Cobb is here once again as he clinches the AL home run title with his ninth home run, all of which were inside the park home runs. So you don't see those too often 
anymore. On this day in 1927, the Yankees clinched the AL pennant after a 5-3 win over the Indians at Yankee Stadium. Babe Ruth hits home run number 52 en route to a record of 60. So I just wanted to say 1909, Ty Cobb was hitting nine home runs in the season to clinch the title. In 1927, Babe Ruth ended up with 60. So quite a big change. And our next one here is wild. On this day in 1936, 17-year-old Cleveland Indians baseball pitcher, Bob Feller, future Hall of Famer, strikes out 17 Philadelphia A's in a 5-2 to two win. Think we'll be seeing a 17-year-old pitch in the majors any, anytime soon? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, in 1936, that's almost 100 years ago at this point, and wow, striking out 17. On the stay in 1942, Cubs shortstop Leonard Marullo makes four errors in one inning. So I think I put this one in here to shut up anyone who likes to talk bad about Luis Urias. Four errors in one inning from this guy back in 1942. Just unacceptable. On this day in 1969, San Francisco giant Bobby Bonds is baseball's 40th, 30 home run, 30 steal player. So there is that. His dad. Now, yes. Barry's I was, yeah. was going to say Barry at first, and then I was like, oh, no, wait, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Bonds. Now, this one is pretty bad. On this day in 1981, Atlanta Falcons tie record of 31 points in the fourth quarter. Their opponent, the Green Bay Packers. So we'll talk Packers here in a minute. We got two more things coming up on this day, 1982. Joe Leverev gets six hits in one game. I mean, you think he batted six times and he got a hit in every one or could have been, um, it could have been an extra inning game because, you know, there's no run. It starts on second. So these games could have been dragged out. Very could have been well. a blowout. A lot of factors I could have played. Into Definitely. That. Yeah. I guess I didn't even think about a blowout, blowout aspect, but it could have been that as well. Last one, on this day, 1999, John L.A.'s number seven jersey is retired by the Denver Broncos, and that is such a smooth transition as we are ready to talk some NFL football week one. And I guess we got to start right away with the Thursday game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Cowboys 31-29. Ref job at its finest, but Tampa Bay gets its first win of the year. Cowboys 0-1, and Drew, I know a lot of people not happy with Mike McCarthy. Ezekiel Elliott not touching the ball as much as people want. Yeah, it was a very pass-heavy offense done by Dallas and a lot of all the Ezekiel Elliott fantasy owners, of course, not of happy course. like you just said. And But Prescott threw the ball, I believe, like 47 times. He, he Mike McCarthy, pass-heavy offense. And yeah, you mentioned that terrible call, the should-have-been OPI push-off that was not called, and people mm-hmm. were saying on Twitter he didn't extend with a full arm, so that's why it wasn't, a, it wasn't OPI. But I thought that was a ridiculous call, and that really that, that was the game right there, and I'm oh, surprised yeah. surprised that there was not more anger on the Dallas sideline then. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't I know thought there could have been a lot more. Yeah, if they just accepted it or whatever, or they knew they were in for it anyways. I just looked. Dak Prescott, forty-two of fifty-eight. Oh, more. Yeah, I yeah. I did not think it was that many, but he threw the ball almost sixty times in that game. As a Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott owner in my dynasty league, I'm more than happy with that. He can keep this up all season long. Next up, we had our Sunday game, so let's go to them from yesterday. We'll go through a bunch of these real quick and just kind of talk about some big points. The Texans beat the Jaguars 37-21. Trevor Lawrence's debut takes the loss right away. He had three touchdowns and three interceptions. Not the best, not the worst, but how long is the Urban Meyer experiment going to last at the professional level? I think 
hey, it's one week. Young team indeed with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback for the Jaguars. Let's see a couple of years. I mean, just let's see how this year goes, and then we'll go from there with I think the Urban Meyer experiment at Jacksonville. But so I mean, it's a start for Trevor Lawrence. It's a start. It is. That's for sure. It's. I mean, you're not going to come out and throw five touchdowns and win the game in your first pro appearance. That's just not going to happen. A lot of people were saying the Texans weren't going to do too well, but you put two poor teams against each other, and that's what we got. So Chargers beat Washington 20-16. to Seahawks beat the Colts 28-16. Jonathan Taylor didn't do a whole lot in this game. Russell Wilson, though, he really showed out. I feel like this happens every year with him. He comes out first five, six weeks, looks like an MVP candidate, and then all of a sudden he just kind of plateaus and nothing really happens, but big win out of the gate for the Seahawks. Panthers beat the Jets 19-14, so the Jets lose by five points there. I saw like a thing about their first few possessions. It was like punt, punt, turnaround downs, punt, punt, end of quarter. It was not looking good for the Jets. And Zach Wilson, I don't know. We'll see what happens to him. This next game, though, I have a lot to say. Bengals and Vikings. This is the game I decided to watch before the Packers game. 27 24 win for the Bengals. Joe Burrow showed out he had a great performance in this game. The Vikings were eh, whatever. They had so many penalties against them, though, in this game. It was terrible. One of the big things, Bengals defense was stepping up huge in this game, but the big play came in the third quarter. Bengals up 21-7, and they decide to go for it on fourth and one at their own 30-yard line. Did you see this? I did not see that, but that is bold right there. And guess what? They didn't make it. So the Vikings get the ball down two touchdowns. It's like middle of the third quarter, fourth and four, as we end up for the Vikings, and they throw a touchdown. So that tie, or that made it 14 to 21. Eventually, they tie the game because the Bengals have no offensive line. Then this game goes to overtime. I don't get to see the end of it because they cut it off to go to the Packers game. That's on Fox. It was Bengals got the ball first, then the Vikings got it, Bengals got it back, Vikings got it again, and then the Bengals got it to kick a game-winning field goal. This was an absolutely wild game. Cincinnati comes out with a win. I was very happy for Joe Burrow. Cardinals, we got to talk about this one. Cardinals stunned the Titans 38-13. to Kyler Murray looked like a man out of a video game today. He was doing everything on the field, but it's very concerning. Titans putting up 13 points. You've got Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown. you got Julio Jones now, too. Titans not showing off in this first week at all. No, they really didn't, Jordan. And I had – I have Julio Jones and Ryan Tannehill in it. And he Ryan Tannehill fumbled right away in the first drive. So, right right away, it was a disappointing start. And, yeah, they only put up 13 points for an offense of that caliber. It was very frustrating performance, I think. And – I also had two offensive players from another team that didn't succeed today in the Falcons. So it gets a little oh, worse there. Yeah, we'll get to the Falcons in a minute, but I was oof. I am high on the Falcons, but they did not do well. We got two more games before that. I'm just going in order on NFL.com slash scores. 49ers and the Lions. 49ers win 41 to 33. They were blowing out the Lions, and somehow the Lions put up a ton of points in the fourth quarter in the final few minutes, nearly came back, but it did not end well for the Lions. They do lose by eight. Still a great performance against a tough 49ers team that we know the Packers have not had success against. And the big story of this game, Jimmy G fumbles on, I don't I don't think it was the first play of the game, but it was like the first drive. Trey Lance comes in, his first ever throw in the NFL is a touchdown. So good for Trey Lance. 
I have Debo Samuel on two fantasy teams. He had nine receptions for 189 yards in a touchdown. So that was very nice to see. He did have a fumble also, but whatever. Not a big deal when you're putting up those kind of numbers. Next up, Steelers and Bills. Steelers win 23-16. And I didn't really catch any of this game at all. It was on CBS as I was watching the Fox game. But people were saying Josh Allen looked very, very average in this game. So you have any concerns about Josh Allen moving forward in the season? Yeah, so Josh Allen, uh, he had a tough game. Um, TJ Watt and the Steelers defense really got to him, and um, that it was just a great comeback for the for the Steelers in the second half because they really put some points up in the fourth to win that game. And Josh Allen, I think for the rest of the year, I I don't have any real real concern for them. I mean, he faced a tough defense and the Steelers defense, although they're old. We've heard that we've heard all about it, but I think Josh Allen, he'll be okay. I think so too. It, it Steelers are tough. I mean, I don't know what you're trying to do against that defense. And like I've been telling people with the Packers, it's week one, guys. It's going to be fine. It's week one. And now we have an extra week in this season. But like you said, the Falcons, let's talk about that. 32 to six, the Falcons go down losing to the Eagles. Jalen Hurts with three passing touchdowns, didn't throw a single interception. So he looked very, very good in week one. And I just I don't know what's happening with Matt Ryan and this Falcons team. They have Kyle Pitts now. They still have Kelvin Ridley, but none of them did anything. Yeah, they they were just – they didn't show up today, basically. I mean, Matt Ryan had a tough game. Their offense, obviously, all had a tough game. Mike Davis, I had I had him and Pitts in a league, and not, not a lot of out fantasy output for those two, and – not a good start for this Falcons team. I mean, hopefully in weeks to come they can get it going because I need these guys to accumulate points. And this Falcons team, like you said, you you were high on, and they have a promising offense. They have the weapons. Yeah, it's I don't know about Matt Ryan, how much longer he's going to last. And I do have Davis in the fantasy league as well. And it is not good to see. But Chiefs beat the Browns 33-29. Huge comeback win. Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions, 197 yards, and a touchdown for him. The Browns were up big in this game. Not too big, but big enough over the Chiefs. Chiefs never gave up. They came back to win 33-29. I wasn't happy to see that. I'm a big Browns fan. I was going to redeem our next score here. The Saints beat the Packers 38-3. Jameis Winston. So here's the thing, right? Jameis Winston didn't even do anything in this game. He just made a few decent throws. He didn't do anything spectacular. Ran the ball a bit. Packers defense was non-existent. Packers offense was even worse. And I think Aaron Rodgers was checked out right after that first interception. Yeah, Jordan, I, I wouldn't say Jameis Winston. I don't think he didn't do anything. He he played very tough. I mean, 14 for 20 passing, not a lot of passing, but what blew my mind, 14 or five of those 14 completions were pa- passing touchdowns, which was ridiculous. I yes. thought he made some pretty good fo- throws today. He made some really great decisions. I mean, no interceptions. And that's usually a problem for him. He was really able to scramble out of the pocket when he was felt pressure and able to get some first downs with his legs. And he just was really conservative with the ball, which is something we usually don't see from Jameis Winston. So I really liked what I saw from him today. Made the right read. He made some shorter throws, wasn't throwing that deep ball a lot. And yeah, I, I mean, hats off to him. Defense, like you just said, horrendous. The running defense, there's drives where they just run the ball because they're getting five yards a pop. Why wouldn't you? But, oh, yeah, Packers yeah. couldn't do anything right on defense at all. And the deep ball, Aaron Rodgers, the most <sighs> inaccurate I've ever seen him from the deep ball. And the one interception he threw, it was like, I'm pretty sure his last drive of the game where they were like yeah. back at their 10-yard line and he just chucked it. That was terrible. And then Jordan Loves comes in and finishes the game. No points on the board, not a single touchdown. I, are you concerned at all? 
So my concerns right now, I the offensive line had a little bit of struggle. This Saints defense is is a real defense, though. I mean, they're they're great, but um, I I'd say my concern level for this team is pretty high. I I mean, granted, it's one game, but I this defense, I'm scared rushing rushing defense wise. I mean, Kevin King, I. Uh, he, oh, he, he made t- two he awful plays in this. Two game. awful plays. Yep, he had a tough game today, and I don't know how many times we can keep saying like, you know, like I can, I the championship game, whatever. That was that was just one game, but like I can't keep just saying, oh, that's just one game for a guy who's now this is starting to stretch out into periods of time. So with Kevin King, I have a lot of concern with him, and this offensive line, like Royce Newman, Josh Myers, these guys made their first starts today. Uh, Newman got beat a couple times. By Cam Jordan, um, Myers played pretty well, but these guys just need some more reps. So, offensive line, not that concerned. I guess kind of concerned there, but the defense yeah. then is kind of my concern. It's mostly the defense, and it always has been. Right out of the gate, when I saw the Saints were putting up these numbers, I was like, "Oof, this is this is not looking good." And Cam Jordan's a really tough defender too, so getting beat by him isn't the end of the world. But we are certainly missing Bakhtiari, and like you also said, I'm. I'm not too concerned because it is only the first game of the year. What I am concerned about is Aaron Rodgers. If this team starts off pretty poorly, that Rodgers just checks out for the year and he doesn't really care because this was one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. And it seems like he was out of it for quite a while. The last thing I will say, though, Tampa Bay lost to New Orleans last year, 38 to three. And we know what happened with Tampa Bay at the end of the season. So it's one of those things where it's a game that doesn't really matter in the long run unless it comes down to these two teams, but I'm not too concerned. My concern meter is not in the red zone yet. It's not too high. So we're going to move on to the Broncos and Giants. I really don't have anything to say about this game. Broncos win 27-13. There's a stat here, though. 683 winning percentage for the Broncos, which is the highest in the NFL since 1970. I mean, you're going up against a pretty poor Giants team, so that's whatever. And then the Dolphins beat the Patriots 17-16. to Miami's won three out of their last four against the Patriots. Anything else in the world of the NFL? We covered it all. Let's go to some college. Let's do it. We're just going to go right down the line from pro to college to high school. So college, we don't have a whole lot to talk about. I did run mention week one real quick. There's two games I wanted to touch on. Georgia versus Clemson and Wisconsin, which... Wisconsin-Penn State was absolutely terrible. I was at the Cubs game during it, so I didn't watch it. Did you catch any of that game at all? I wasn't able to either. I'm glad I didn't. Exactly. I was going to say, when I saw the halftime numbers and it was 0-0, and I was like, oh, something's wrong here. This is not good. So that happened in week one. Just thankfully can move on from it because we rebounded in week two. The big week one game otherwise, though, was indeed the number five Georgia beating number three Clemson 10-3. to So, a really big win for Georgia there, potentially knocking Clemson out of the playoff conversation. We'll have to see how that goes down. And another big one from week one, UCLA beat LSU 38-27. And that was a huge loss for LSU, bumped them out of the rankings. And I'm a big LSU fan. I'm actually drinking out of my LSU cup right now. Bad, was, uh, I've loved LSU since I was a kid. Same with Doesn't Kansas matter. basketball. So you're going to say that also, but I've loved those teams since I was a kid. I, I drank my, my LSU cup yesterday, I should say, not today, but because of Joe Burrow, and it, it helped them. They got the win. So, anyways, week two, Alabama blows through Mercer, as you would expect. A lot of these games are just not conference games. They're just playing to pad the stats, basically, and that's all they are. Georgia beats UAB 56-7. I mean, come on. The big one, though, in week two, Oregon beat Ohio State 35-28. I was so happy to see this. 
hopefully this means we don't get Ohio State in the playoffs. Yeah, I think Ohio State, I, I think we what would happen though, Jordan, I think if the Badgers were to come out of the Big Ten West, I still think they would match up against a team like Ohio State if they were to play in the Big Ten Championship. So I don't think this game means much for the Badgers down the line, but Ohio State losing, I, I think that takes them out of the top four to make the college football playoff, though. Hopefully, we can say that now, but this will be the season where a ton of teams lose games and they still sneak their way in there. Texas A&M barely beat Colorado 10-7. Colorado is up majority of that game, but Texas A&M finds the end zone late, gets the job done. Another big one in the top 10. Number 10, Iowa beat number 9, Ohio State's the Hawkeyes, win 27-17 over the Cyclones, I believe Iowa State is. So Iowa could be a potential threat in the in the top here as I'm looking through some more scores. Stanford beats number 14, USC, 42-28. And then Arkansas beats number 15, Texas, 40-21. So some non-ranked teams beaten these higher-ranked guys on the top 15. And then we had the Badgers, 34-7 win over Eastern Michigan. Graham Mertz, we got to talk about him, though. It is now time to talk about Graham Mertz. He was 14 of 17, 141 yards in week two. Not bad at all, but that's against the Eastern Michigan team. That's really not the best. So once you move that step up in competition, like we saw week one and Graham Mertz is underperforming, that's when we get worried. Yeah, I'm not impressed with Graham Mertz whatsoever. No. However, so I'm going to start. I want to talk about this defense, Jordan. Um, They didn't allow a single touchdown this game. Granted, it was 34-7. A pick six was thrown or it was a fumble, whatever there is. Yeah, it was a defensive touchdown. After the third quarter. So that's okay. That makes sense. So this Badgers defense is phenomenal. What I saw out of them, they were aggressive. They were, they just made some really great plays, very smart defense. I mean, you got Jim Leonard as your defensive coordinator, who is very well, uh, he's a very great defensive coordinator, as we know. And it's, that's just the guy you want to have. And, but this Badgers offense, I mean, they just ran the ball because it, it's Eastern Michigan. I mean, what, what can they do about it? You know, and, they had, they had a big big game out of their, their runners. Um, Ches Malusi, the guy out of Cl- who came from Clemson, 15 carries, 134 yards, one touchdown. And Jalen Berger had 12, 12 carries, 54 yards, and one touchdown. And I'm a big Berger fan. I think he's a solid backup. Yeah, no, these guys are these run, they have a really great running back committee for the Badgers. And we they had a rough go around week one, but week two came and they they played really, really great. Graham Mertz, I know you mentioned. He, he did, or he had some pretty good numbers, but um, yeah, I mean, he was efficient, but just yeah. watching him play, he just, it doesn't look right. I don't know. How, like, I, I have not been impressed yet about him. And I, I thought this was the game to get him going. I thought you would have had maybe 30 passing attempts for him. He played less than three quarters. Like you mentioned, 13 of 15 for 131 yards. Just, I ho- wished he would have gotten more opportunities to throw, you know, get, get more reps in because, we can't have him playing how he did week one against Penn state in a big game. And Jack Cohn's been balling it out right now for Notre Dame. And that's just right now. It just looks really bad for the Badgers, how they chose Mertz over Cohn basically. And hopefully Mertz, I mean, he's sophomore, but he's young, but we got to see a lot more out of him. That's my one concern with this team. If Mertz plays well, I think this team will do great. If he plays bad, I think this team will do mediocre. So that's kind of how I am where I am with the Badgers right now. Yeah, so I'll touch on Cone and then get back to Mertz. Cone in week one, he had like 300-some yards with four touchdowns. It was a fantastic performance right out of the gate. And then this past week, he ends up like 
I don't know if he dislocated his finger, but he did something to it on the last drive of the game, puts it back in place with a minute to go and throws a dime to get a touchdown. So Jack Cohn has been leading Notre Dame very, very well. And like you said, we chose Graham Mertz. One of the reasons may have been his week one performance last year where he was like perfect throughout the game, basically had a ton of touchdowns. I think he had one or two incompletions. It was a wild game for him where he really showed the world what he could do. And since then, he didn't do a whole lot to impress us. And now maybe he's on his way back up. Like you said, he's still young yet. So throwing him into that Penn State game, first game of the year, that was a lose-lose situation. He was either going to do tremendously well and exceed all of our expectations but I think deep down, a lot of us knew that just wasn't going to happen. So I think this, I dare I say, mediocre Graham Mertz is more of what we're going to expect. So that's it for college. Anything else? Or are we moving down to high school? One thing I got, uh, the Badgers now have a week off. And then the big game of the year at Soldier Field in Chicago, number seven, Notre Dame, number 18, Wisconsin, I believe, September 25th. So that's going to be Jack Cohn versus Graham Mertz. We got the game. This Jack Cohn's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder, and this game's going to be good. I will be definitely watching this. Oh, it'll be huge, but I am going to safely predict a two-touchdown Wisconsin loss. I think they'll keep it close for a while. I think, actually, what I think will happen is Notre Dame will come out guns blazing right away. Cohn catches him off guard. Gets himself a nice touchdown. Momentum all in Notre Dame. Wisconsin will keep it close. They'll fight through it. And then come in the end, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. So I predict 10-14, somewhere in that range of point loss for the Badgers. Let's talk some high school football now. Going to Manitowoc Lutheran in the Big East. Lutheran lost 25-14 to to Howard's Grove. So Howard's Grove is now 3-1. and on the year, not the worst loss in the world for Lutheran, keeping it pretty close against a good Howard's Grove team. And as we look ahead to next or this Friday, I should say, coming up, Lutheran is taking on Ozaki at Ozaki. Ozaki 0-4, taking on a Lutheran team. And I think Lutheran 1-3 on the year. I think this will be a good shot for Lutheran to get their second win. Certainly with that Lutheran team. I mean, oh, you said with Lutheran's win, right? Yes. Lutheran? Yeah, because Lutheran right now, I mean, they lost, or they were able to be a Ron Colley team as their first win. So we'll definitely see how this week plays out for the Lancers. I mean, yeah, it's not the most impressive win over Ron Colley, but still, they put a lot of points on the board, and it's really all you can ask for. Shifting gears to Manitowoc, Lincoln. They defeated Green Bay East 48-7. to Again, I was at this game. First ever game I announced at Ron Rubick Field, by the way. It was quite fun, and it, it was a nice night for football too. It wasn't cold. It wasn't hot. It was like perfect. And Lincoln came out swinging. Brett Prangy, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and a reception touchdown all in the first half. And I will easily say that in years prior, I thought Prangy was a little overrated. He had butterfingers. I mean, he would fumble the ball once or twice a game. He didn't look the best. He didn't, he's big boy. He can run. But the Brett Prangy we are seeing this year is absolutely carrying this ship's team. I think he's going to carry them to three wins in a row. They now travel to Green Bay West this coming Friday. And Green Bay West is a team that is 0-4 going through their games, what they have played so far. A 24-56 loss to Clintonville. Division 5 Clintonville they lost to. 34-0 loss to Manawa, if that's even how you pronounce it. Division 6 Manawa. That's their only win on the year. 
a 53-6 loss to Manasha, and then a 58-12 loss to Notre Dame. So I think it's safe to say Lincoln will be winning three straight. Do you have any comments on the ships at all? I mean, this ships team, Jordan, a few year, a year ago, if you told me this team would be winning three in a row, I'd be surprised. They really had a tough spring, and this this ships team's really turned it around. I mean, credit where credit's due. They've Brett Prangy's really improved over this shortened off season, and I'm I'm shocked with the ships team, Jordan. And I'm glad you were able to call a beautiful game around Rubik Field. Oh, and I hope I get another doozy at Green Bay West. And then I got one more. I don't even know who they play the week after, but three wins in a row. I'll be doing some prep and trying to figure out when's the last time they did that because that is going to be special if they do get the job done. Last thing on Brett Prangy, like you talked about. So I I graduated in 2020, right? So last year was my first year not being at Lincoln, and I knew the ships weren't going to do well. I predicted one win for them on the year. I believe they had two or maybe they only had one. I'm not sure. They did not do well at all. And they lost so much talent. And one of the things is they have now shifted Brett Prangy, not only to a running back, but to a quarterback as well. Like you said, in the shortened off season. So for them to be doing all this and him to be this effective, like I said, five touchdowns, two passing, two rushing and a reception all in the first half in that game last Friday. It's truly something else. And Robbie Michael, Showed out once again a 64-0 win KLC over Ron Colley. It was 50 to nothing at the half. I'm gonna be honest, I expected a little more against Ron Colley, but I think they put in their like reserves in the second half. Robbie Michaels, seven of nine, 145 yards, three touchdowns in the air, but then running five carries, 119 yards with three touchdowns. Safe to say Robbie Michael isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, right now, Jordan, first in passing with 709. And he's second in rushing and fight with 578 and dual threat indeed. And this KLC team, when they're able to play defense, because I mean, last year we saw some defensive struggles from this from this KLC team, but they have allowed zero points so far in conference. Granted, it's against Roncalli and Valders, still impressive with second because they have their second stringers in and whatnot. And this KLC team, I believe they're up to fifth in D5 right now or oh, wow. D4. So. They're rising in the rankings pretty quick. I think it's D4, actually. But, yeah, so don't mess around with this KLC team. They will be deadly come playoff time. Yeah, it's even more impressive if it's D4. Shifting to Chilton and to Rivers. Tie 14-14 at the half. No score in the third quarter. Chilton gets the job done 21-20 in the fourth quarter. It was a complete shift for two Rivers. Chase Mathias, only 17 carries. Had himself 102 yards, but... Jason Klinker, 17 of 34 in the air. So mm. they really moved to the passing game. Kind of costed them 188 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. You think they just had to plan against Chilton? They knew Chilton could defend the run or what was it with this? this? Well, Chilton's had a good defense so far this year, but TR was projected. Travis Wilson, the guy who covers high school football, had TR going second in the conference come the end of the year, which I, we said was ridiculous. Robert Schimmick and I called him out right away, said, hold on here. And But this TR team is looking worse than even we predicted. We thought this them beating Chilton was was a given at the start of the year. We thought TR would be in this this kind of tier of teams with like new Holstein and whatnot. And right now they're playing like they're playing more of more of a team like like a Valders right now. I mean, I think <laughs> that I think TR and Valders are kind of on the same tier right now. And you could arguably rank Valders ahead of TR, even though they played brilliant because brilliant and TR played 41 nothing loss 
Valor's and Brilliant, which I know we'll get to a 42 nothing loss. And so TR and Valor's are looking comparable, though, on the conference thing right now here. And we'll just have to wait and see, though, come next week. I mean, which we'll get into the games next week, but not a good showing for TR. Very disappointed with what I saw. Yeah, absolutely. And I was also disappointed in New Holstein. So obviously my bold prediction was them to beat Keel. I didn't expect them to get shut out, though. I mean, I know this Keel is a good team, but for New Holstein to lose 20-0 really caught me by surprise. It was only 7-0 at the half, so they kept it close. Low-scoring affair. Henry Schnell for New Holstein, 2 of 8 with 24 yards. And for rushing, they had a very balanced attack, but really nothing. Schnell, 25 yards. Budian, 34 yards. Strobel, 30 yards. Hubler, 16 yards. And Gebert, 31 yards. So, I mean, there's no one. Stepping up for this team, Kiel, Connor Faust, 7 103 yards in the air, two touchdowns and a pick. Connor Faust for rushing also, he had 11 yards, whatever. Connor Meyer, 99 rushing yards though, so that's big right there. And Dan Schmitz had 64 as well, so Kiel gets the job done. Were you surprised at the way they handled New Holstein? Sure, and I'll be honest, I really wasn't. I, I no? saw your prediction and I, I saw it and I'm like, I got Kiel by multiple scores here. I I think this Kiel yeah, team is very good. I thought it was going to be closer. Well, New Holstein certainly has the talent, and I, I'm very high in New Holstein, but the way they've played so far this year, I mean, Ron Colley and them were tied at the end of the first quarter, and both of them, like, playing starters, like, it was, they were tied. So, like, That's pretty bad. this New Holstein team, I, I don't know what's going on with them because, come, like, they have Obler, Schnell, I mean, they got some great guys, great guys returning who have been real, like, they have really good pieces. They got a good offensive line. They have another... um Oh, they got, I, I forgot who it was. Oh, another Casper brother. Well, that's who it was. And they have, and that team should be playing a lot better than they are as well. So New Holstein and TR are really underachieving right now, in my opinion. But we'll see this New Holstein team. I wonder how they will play against a team like Valders. That's another one who I think, I think New, Hol, or New Holstein and TR, I want to see how they play for Valders so we can kind of make our rankings more, well, a better picture of what it'll look like, you know, and. We'll have to just wait and see for that as well, though. But not a good showing for New Holstein. But yeah, like I said, I like the skill team. They're two and zero so far in conference and four and zero overall. So, but I have high expectations for them come playoffs. Hundred percent agree. I think he's a really good team, and that's why I went bold saying New Holstein. I didn't expect New Holstein to win, but twenty nothing shutout. That I did not expect. Another shutout. This game got played on Saturday. Brilliant beating Valders forty two nothing. No stats in here for Valders as we are recording, but listen to this. Mason Benke, three of three in the air, 144 yards and a touchdown. So Valders, their man defense, whatever they're playing back there, it did not end up working for them. A few bigger runners for Brilliant. Jaden Bastian, 64 yards. Sam Galoff with 60. So like we said, they've always had a very balanced one. And the Mitchell Kodrabic at 26, but Brilliant wipes the floor with Valders, basically as we expected. Yeah, and the game was moved to Saturday because they couldn't find officials, actually. So really? that's why we saw a Saturday game at 1 p.m. at Brilliant. So weird, weird story there. And yeah, this Valders team, um, I was talking to Robert about it, but he said that um, he, th- he thought Valders played tough. Uh, he thought they played tougher than TR even, he, he mentioned to me. So that was good to hear. He said Cole Hovey played pretty well, the receiving threat, and Although they couldn't put points on the board, I mean, it's brilliant, 42 nothing, And, yeah, the big play was certainly a factor in this game, three for three, you said, with was 150-something yards. And, yeah, so brilliant with the big play, and that, it's brilliant. I mean, I, I think we all expected a win 
in the forties or maybe even more here. So move on to the next exactly. game. Exactly. Move on to next week. And let's yeah. game of the week has to be brilliant and Keeler, right? I mean, this is going to be something special. Those two teams going at it. KLC and two rivers will be facing off new Holstein and Chilton and then Ron Colley Valders. Ooh. So Ron Colley Valders, that's the big game. Always Valders should get their win coming up. And then new Holstein Chilton. What are we thinking? So are we talking about for game of the week here? Well, I think game of the week's brilliant heel, huh? I think that's I think that's fair. New Holstein yeah. Chilton's always a good rivalry. So if you want me to go through the teams, I think. So I'm gonna go here. Valders Valders is not the game in the well. Okay, New Holstein and Chilton. New Holstein I think wins that. Brilliant Keel. I think Keel wins that. Yeah, I'm gonna I go bold. Go, I would go brilliant, but I can see Keel. I it's gonna be tough for me to bet against Keel two weeks in a row. I don't know. Okay. That that game's got literally a toss up. Valders and Ron Colley. Valders by a long shot. And I don't KLC know. KLC and TR, TR then. KLC blowout. Yeah, they they'll yeah. win they win a blowout. Brilliant Keel. I, I could go back and forth. I'm thinking about it now and I could I could see Brilliant winning this game. Thinking about it, could see Keel too. So this game's yeah. that's as that's like you said, easy call for game of the week. The only reason I'd say Valders and Roncalli is because I'm biased, but we know Valders is gonna win that game, I think, by I think I think that game is going to be a blowout as well, but we'll have to wait and see. Clock. Ooh, maybe, maybe, maybe that could be your bold prediction of the week. But yeah, brilliant keel, no doubt about it. As that rounds off our high school discussion, and it's time to move to Brewers. So our last thing to talk about this week: Drew wins the predictions challenge as the Brewers go five and one. It is now eleven to ten. Drew leads in the prediction challenge. Something we never ever would have expected, knowing how huge I was winning. I mean been one of those things if you've been listening to the podcast guys you know i was demolishing this man in the predictions challenge puts up comeback of the year three weeks or pardon me four weeks in a row you have won to come back so this is something special just like this brewers team a terrible loss on labor day you were there 12 nothing talk us through that one jordan there's not much to say woodruff pitch made some made a few bad pitches we saw luke malley pitch actually so in the ninth so that, that's probably the one plus i'll say for that game Cigar hit a grand slam too for the Phillies, but that's a big yikes. And yeah, and then do we want to go through the the rest of the week? Oh yeah, they rebounded very very well the next day, winning ten nothing. That's baseball for you. You get blown out one day, you blow them out the next day. Ten nothing win there, and then to round off the Philly series, a four three win. So we win the series over the Phillies, and then the Indians, soon to be Guardian series, really wasn't even close. Ten three win. 3 nothing win and 11 to 1 win. Obviously, the 3 nothing win. We have to talk about Corbin Burns. Eight innings, no hitter, 115 pitches. Your thoughts on the decision to pull him? I think it is a perfectly acceptable decision, and it was the right call by Craig Council. Beautiful. You, you just summed it up right there, Jordan. That was That's exactly what needed to be done. 115 pitches through eight innings, and we have, we have bigger things in our mind right now as Brewer fans, and Craig Council even acknowledged it as well. This team, we we got postseason coming up, and we can't be worrying about uh, just one game in a regular season. About having a a guy pitch the full game, and uh, Burns Craig himself Count- even said he couldn't go another one. Yeah, and Craig Council really said something great. He said that we have bigger things in our mind right now, and it, maybe in another season, maybe I let him go all nine, but not in this season. We got we got bigger things going on right now, and I think that's the perfectly acceptable reason to back that back up why he did what he did. And just this Brewers team, I mean, 
Jordan, what what can we what things have we not said about this team yet? I mean, they can I, do no I'm wrong running, right now. Yeah, I'm, they've been phenomenal. I they're 14 games up. We already mentioned that they're 89 55 on the road. They're 49 and 24. Unheard of. <sighs> like I I can keep going on and on. Um, Burns had his um has 200 plus strikeouts and he is only the sixth pitcher in franchise history to do so. So that's something there first since Zach ranking 2011 Corin Burns. And then among NL leaders, which you have some stuff up on that. And I do as well, but Burns right now, after his outing on Saturday, he is definitely the NL Cy Young. And I don't think it's close. No, I don't think it's close either, especially with the not being like active lately. I think the we talked about it before clear front runner for Cy Young and MVP at one point, but now it's got to be Corbin Burns. I mean, there's no one else to take this up. I, in our MLB midseason special, said Freddie Peralta is better than Corbin Burns, but Corbin Burns must have heard that, and he is proving me wrong because he has had a tremendous second half. We weren't sure if he could keep this up, but boy, has he ever. He's first in like 12 categories among qualified pitchers in baseball. It's ridiculous. Not even going to go through them all, but this man is on another level doing something else. We should say Josh Hader closed the door for that no-hitter in the ninth inning. People like complaining about their no-hitters if they aren't a complete game and if they have multiple pitchers, but it's whatever, especially in a time like this when we're this close to October, this close to the end of the year. No reason whatsoever to keep Corbin Burns pitching. Right decision was made there. Then yesterday, Colton Wong hits two home runs. Garcia hit like a 464-foot bomb. I mean, this team firing on all cylinders. What else you got? Well, I want to talk about Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser. I mean, we didn't get to mention it last week, but the complete game shout out he threw against St. Oh, yeah. Louis. That was a gem. Yeah, Eric Lauer's been great. I mean, he had a phenomenal start Sunday. He only gave up one run. And didn't give I, up a hit through five. So that's like 14 straight yeah. innings without giving up a hit. So he's been on fire. I mean, his ERA in the second half. 2.25 and that was even that was before this great outing on that was yesterday in 40 innings and then also Adrian Hauser's has a 2.6 ERA in 34 and two-thirds so with this Brewers team right now though we always talk about the big three in Burns Woodruff and Peralta but I mean in the second half it's been it's been Hauser Lauer and Burns basically who have been which is crazy who have been leading the charge for this rotation, but I, how dare I say that? Because Woodruff and Peralta have still been phenomenal. I mean, 3.42 ERA, 3.72 ERA, which are still great. And Peralta's dealing with injuries. Woodruff made a few tough, has had a few tough outings where he's just made a couple bad pitches, but we, we know those two will get it on track. And this, this rotation right now, everyone's ERA is under four in the second half, basically. And Aaron Ashby's at 1.86, which is now lower after his, Three innings of relief that were yesterday. It's 54 ERA after that Cubs game, the first game of the year when he was at 54. Good to see him get that down. Yeah, and just this this rotation. I mean, that's kind of what's been leading the charge here, and I'm just really looking forward to this team come postseason time when you have pitchers like this. And You want to read some of those Corbin Burns stats? Oh, I can. I'll pull it up. I mean, this guy is first in – you. you name the category – and he's first in it. So F war, he's first. It's 7.1. ERA's first, 2.25. FIP is first, 1.5. XERA first, 1.89. XFIP first at 2.3. SIERA, Sierra. I don't even know what Sierra. stats are. It's, yeah, I, Sierra. Okay, I know what all these are, but yeah, keep going. I don't, I've never heard of Sierra. First it's, with 2.59. 
I can kind of explain it. And I also have one more stat after once you read all those, but Sierra is just kind of like the, the FIP where it takes into um, it's just like, it takes in effect strikeouts and stuff. It takes in, into effect like the batted ball data. So like how hard balls are hit fly ball. Like if it's a fly ball, ground ball or strikeout and it kind of just compiles an ERA and it's based on the same ERA scale. Basically it's very, very nerdy. Baseball has way too many stats. His K and baseball percentage, first 30.5. Home runs per nine, first 0.3, which is unbelievable. His barrel rate is first at 2.6, and his K percentage is first 35.4%. I mean, Corbin Burns, wow. Yeah, he's setting records, basically, Jordan. And another record he's set right now. So there's a stat called game score. And here's another one. And it rates a starting pitcher's performance in a baseball game. Have you ever heard of this stat? I've heard of it, but I don't, I never really dissected so, into it. I'll read it to you. So it's designed that scores tend, they range from zero to a hundred with an average performance being around 50. So you so start with 50, average basically. Yeah. So you start with 50 points. So this is the formula. So each pitcher, right when they go into the game, they start with 50. You add one point for each out recorded. So three points for every com- complete inning. And then you add two points for each inning completed after the fourth. I feel like Brian Anderson explained this once. This is kind of familiar. Add one point for each strikeout. Subtract two points for each hit allowed. Subtract four points for each earned run allowed. Subtract two points for each unearned unearned run allowed. And then subtract one point for each walk. So What nerd comes up with this? All these stats. It was actually designed by Bill James. Oh, okay. and I like this stat. Bill. It's pretty cool. It, it helps dissect the pitcher's performance, and he had a 95 game score. So that is Ooh. the best for any Brewers pitcher in franchise history. It edges the 94. I believe it was done by Juan Nieves, the guy, other guy who threw no no. Oh, so, so this thing's been around for a while. It's been around since 1988. Wow. But um, I mean, you can go through each game, and you can kind of um. I mean, you could count, you can make someone's get, you can look at someone's game score based on the box score. You can compile it because you just That's need walks, strikeouts, though. innings pitched, earned earn runs. Easy. Yeah. It's all simple. Run, yeah. So it's pretty, so. it's a pretty basic thing. And it's just a way, a fun way to kind of um, calculate how a pitcher is doing. And yeah. So Corbin Burns game score record breaker. And you want to get to the predictions. Oh, let's do it. We got five games this week. I will go first because I need to redeem myself here, and I'm going to go a four-in-one week. We've got two games against the Tigers, so we got an off day today. We play tomorrow at 540 and Wednesday at 1210, so those two games against the Tigers. Then to get Thursday off day, Friday, 710 against the Cubs, Saturday, 615 on Fox against the Cubs, and then Sunday, 110 against the Cubs. I am going four-and-one, so... I'm assuming you are gonna go five and zero, but you could go three and two. The fan of me wants to go five and zero, as you know. But yes, I don't like the Brewers against the AL Central this year. I don't care that they swept the Indians. Indians' offense is atrocious, but this this I like this Tigers' offense. I mean, they have, I feel they like have, we don't do too well against the Tigers. They have some really nice pieces that a lot of people don't talk about, and I think. I am going to go three and two. I think they split it with them. And I, I think they might lose a game to the Cubs. I know. How dare I say that? But well, I'm going it's f- not. What? It's not the worst prediction. Losing yeah. one against Tigers and one against Cubs. I mean, we'll probably lose the Fox game against the Cubs knowing us. We'll be getting that primetime slot and then lose. So 
There we go. That is that. Our predictions are set. Again, Drew's leading 11-10 in the predictions challenge as the season winds down. And it's trivia time, baby. Season three of trivia. You are a solid six of 10 to start after the two Horizon Leagues. And it is now time to spin the wheel. So the wheel is currently spinning. We got five categories and Drew's choice, which has never been selected. And that continues today because we will be doing basketball video games prior to 2000 so this one you're gonna you're probably gonna have to guess in a lot of these i would assume yeah probably here yeah probably true or false the first ever basketball game to be released on atari was simply titled basketball i'm gonna say true it is that is true yeah in 1978 the first game released on atari was called basketball nice i mean beautiful Next question. Which of these was the first game endorsed by the NBA? So I'm going to give you three options. Was it Magic Johnson's Fast Break in 1988? Was it Hoops in 1988? Or was it Lakers versus Celtics and the NBA playoffs in 1989? I'm going to say the third option there, Lakers versus Celtics. That is correct. Oh, I'm pretty good. Two start, yeah. That's such a weird title. Imagine going to the GameStop. Yeah, can I get Lakers versus Celtics and the NBA playoffs? Like, that's the title of a video game. Yeah, it's an NBA playoffs. So I was like, boom, it's probably that one. True, but that's why I put a few from the year prior just to see if it could throw you off. It didn't work. Our next question. What year was the Harlem Globetrotters video game released? Was it 1990, 1994, or 2000? I'm going to go 1994 here. That is incorrect. It was 1990. So Harlem Globetrotters, I didn't even know they had a video game, but it was released in 1990, so 21 years ago. Next question. Not a bad start. Two of three so far. The inaugural NBA Jam was released in what year? 91, 93, or 95? 93. That is correct. Let's go. You're, you're doing great in this NBA video game. Love old trivia. basketball video games. Yeah. Yeah. Old basketball video games doing well. Final question. True or false? There was a video game released called Dick Vitale's Awesome Baby College Hoops. False. True. That was released in Why? 1994 on Sega Genesis. Dick Vitale's awesome baby college hoops that was a real thing wow well you learn something new every day i I guess so dick vitale what a legend had a video game named after him three of five so basically you're you're in the norm nine of 15 overall here in season three not the worst not the best could have i expected that to go much worse but you did a great job there and that's all we got this week yeah I, i i'll take a three out of five very good questions this week as always jordan Thank you very much. We are now moving into the real part of season three of trivia where we spin the wheel each and every time. Obviously, there will be some other ones. We'll do like a Brewers postseason trivia I'll make up and we'll have a bunch of fun stuff. Maybe Packers opening week, see how bad they've done. I don't know, but I'll figure it out so we can get to 50 once again in season three. That's all we got. Shout yourself out. Yeah, you know the drill. Instagram, Twitter, Drew Skyberg, D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. There you go. That's that Instagram shout out for winning the predictions challenge for yep. the Packers this week. Good job there. Firing on all cylinders. I'm on Twitter, Jordan Law underscore PXP. Catch me on WOMT the next two Friday nights for ships 
football. It'll be me, Paul, and Dan this Friday. And the next week, it'll just be me and Dan. So first ever time leading a three-man booth. That'll be fun coming up this Friday. Ships at Green Bay West. Catch me this Wednesday on ESPN Plus for UWGB men's soccer against St. Thomas. Never done soccer in my life. That'll be an experiment to say the least. So catch me on there. Jordan Law underscore PXP. We are on Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. Facebook, Jordan Drew the sports crew. YouTube, Jordan Drew the sports crew. Apple podcast. Follow us. Leave a five-star review on there. That's all we got. Thank you all for listening to episode 27 of Jordan and Drew the sports crew. The perfect podcast for you.